Welcome to Whole Mother. This is KPFT Houston 90.1. I'm your host, Pat Jones. Whole Mother is a voice in our community which educates and informs us. There are many decisions to be made out there as a parent, mother, father, grandparent, aunt, uncle, neighbor, birthing person, friend. Whole Mother believes that we need to always make our choices out of rational thinking. Choices that are made through education, research, not out of fear, especially fear that is imposed by those who stand to profit from our choices. It is hoped that the education you receive on this show will contribute to changing the way we birth and the way we parent. All humans are born good. I've seen more than 3,000 babies come into the world, and I can tell you there are no bad babies. There are no bad humans. All babies are born exactly the same in their goodness, their innocence, their curiosity, their brilliance, their ability to love and to trust. They're all born the same in their delight in the world, their happiness. It doesn't matter what country they're born in, what skin color they have, or what language they're learning to speak, or how much money is in their family. We are all born with the same goodness. We all come into the world with the same potential. If that's true, that all humans are born without hate, judgment, shame, jealousy, then where do we learn those qualities if we're not born with them? Whole Mother is here to look at our parenting, which begins the very first moment of birth. It's my belief that we learn about life and we make decisions about life from the very first moment, first hours, first days, first weeks, first years, are so important to tell our children their needs will be met, they're safe, they're cared for, and that their feelings are valued. My guest on Whole Mother today is Rebecca Stump. First of all, I'm going to tell you a little information. We know that an ordinary breast cancer, one that doubles every 100 days, would take six years to grow to one million cells. Slower cancers could take up to 20 years. That one million cells is only as big as the period at the end of a sentence. By the time a tumor is large enough to be seen by a mammogram, it's usually eight years old, has 500 million cells, and is approximately one quarter of an inch long. In 1995, British Medical Journal, The Lancet, reported that since mammographic screening was introduced in 1983, the incidence of ductal carcinoma in situ, which represents 12% of all breast cancer cases, has increased by 328% and 200% of this increase is due to the use of mammography. Today we have even more research supporting this finding. It's reported 
that the average exposure to each breast during mammography is approximately 340 millirads. A chest x-ray is one millirad. Because of the density of the breast tissue, many premenopausal women undergo several exposures to get a good reading. And because of the density of the tissue, some cancers are already 10 years old and as large as a centimeter before they are detected by a mammogram. Dr. John Goffman, a medical doctor, a nuclear physicist, and a noted radiation expert, in his 1999 book, Radiation from Medical Procedures in the Pathogenesis of Cancer and Ischemic Heart Disease, concluded that 60% of all cancer and 83% of all breast cancer is caused by medical radiation. I'm very excited uh, to introduce our guest, as I've said uh, earlier. Rebecca Stump is the owner of a holistic health clinic which offers medical thermography, ultrasound screenings, and functional health programs right here in Houston. She's been working in the field of thermography since 2009. She's been recognized for practitioner excellence at national conferences. She furthered her education as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner in 2020, and she has a special interest in gut health, hormones, and chronic inflammatory conditions. Her clinic currently provides thermography and ultrasound services around Houston and West Texas, while her functional health program services are offered via telehealth nationwide. Welcome to Whole Mother, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. We're so grateful to have you. So uh, tell us a little more. How did you get involved with thermography? Thermography, I my first interest came when I started working for my mom, who was a naturopath and nutritionist, and she's retired now. Mm-hmm. And her interest in thermography started when Um, my grandmother passed away from breast cancer and my grandmother had been having mammograms and doing the, the regular recommended schedule with that. And by the time they found her breast cancer, it was pretty large and later stage. And there wasn't that much they could do with, with her situation. So at a young age, um, my mom was, you know, conflicted with the messaging with mammograms saying early detection saves lives. And she felt like that wasn't the case for her mother or my grandmother. And so she pursued um, educating herself on different breast screening options and learned about thermography. So years later, in her naturopathic clinic um, where I worked, she added in the thermography service. And I went out to Florida, got my certification done to do the imaging as a technician. And that's how this all started. But it was it was kind of a personal reason how I got involved with this. Mm-hmm. And then um, I don't have it right in front of me, but then you became the owner of Thermography of Houston. Yeah. So when my mom decided to retire, um, you know, I had been working with her for several years And we developed relationships with our clients who were coming year after year for screenings. 
And they were like, oh my gosh, Rebecca, please don't leave us. We don't want to go to anybody else. And so, um, you know, at that time I had already been helping my mom with all of the business practices and, and procedures. And so she really encouraged me to have faith in myself and kind of take on that business ownership uh, level. And that's what I decided to do. And it's been such a blessing. Our team has grown and our locations have grown. And I'm just so grateful that I'm able to do this for our community in Houston. Yes. And what a difference it makes, how many lives have been changed. Mm -hmm. Um, And in 2020, then you became a functional health practitioner. Yes. (laughs) I really took advantage of a little bit of downtime in 2020, right? Things kind of slowed down. And um, I had been thinking about, you know, jumping into certification with that because my clients coming in for thermography, oftentimes they would have something come up on their thermography results that they wanted to address. And I was having a difficult time finding practitioners to refer for follow-up testing and kind of diving a little bit deeper. And so this certification allows me to offer more lab testing for those kind of next steps after thermography. So it's been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also, in 2020, you added the ultrasound services. <laughs> yes, that... I, would, I was a little ambitious in 2020. <laughs> yes, we added ultrasound screenings, which was such a great um, decision. We had prior to this, we had been referring women for ultrasounds to, uh, there were a few imaging centers in Houston that we knew they would kind of make exceptions for women who really needed to have just the breast ultrasound and not the mammogram. But about five years ago, they all stopped allowing that altogether. So we really became super limited in, you know, women having that screening option. And I went to a thermography conference a few years ago and learned um, of other businesses adding in that type of service. So I was able to Um, get some really good expert advice and um, oversight and getting all of that set up correctly. And so now we've been doing that for a few years. And it's just, again, it's just kind of complemented the thermography beautifully. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, Seems like a great addition uh, Mm -hmm. to, to what you could do. Uh, So tell the audience then, what is thermography and what are the advantages of using thermography? So thermography, it's, it's always kind of a mouthful. People are like, what thermo, what, you know, when I mention that, um, what I do and essentially it's a type of medical imaging and instead of using x-rays or sound waves in the case of ultrasound with thermography, we're using, um, we're actually not even emitting anything from the equipment. We're reading the infrared radiation coming off of your body and we're using technology that is extremely, um, measuring minute fluctuations in temperature and that um, information is mapped out. So each image that we take with thermography has over 300,000 individual temperature readings in each picture. And the doctor is trained from a medical perspective, what is a healthy pattern? What's an unhealthy pattern? What would indicate inflammation or dysfunction of an organ and what would be considered normal. So what we can use with this um, imaging technology, we can really add a whole new perspective on what's going on in the human body. And the nice thing about that is that there's no radiation. 
There's no compression. There's no contrast dye. You know, there's nothing invasive whatsoever. It's a very, very comfortable, simple examination. And we can glean a lot of information from that without having any complications with the patient or discomfort. And they can have a lot of peace of mind and be better informed on what's going on in their body kind of in, I would say earlier stages of, of things going on in the body because, um, physiological changes is what we're looking at. We're looking at functional physiology happening in the body. And that tends to, to shift when there's disease or dysfunction that tends to shift before there's structural changes. So when we look at x-rays or mammograms or ultrasounds or MRI, those are more of a structural exam and that tends to be dysfunctional after it's been, you know, uh, a physiological change before that. So the goal with thermography is catching issues in the body earlier um, when it's easier to address naturally through diet, lifestyle, supplements, you know, um, nutrition. And uh, I think Hopefully that's the goal for most people. I think after COVID, a lot of people started realizing maybe I need to be a little bit more proactive with my health. Maybe I need to not wait until it's something drastic where I'm going to the ER. Um, there's so much we can do before it gets to that point. Yes, and, and should do, yes. Um, you mentioned about the doctor who reads the report. Uh, would you say a little more about what about that? What kind of doctor reads it? Um, yeah. So we have a radiology group for ultrasounds for our thermography scans. We have a, a medical group. They are all licensed medical doctors, but then they have pursued board certification as a thermologist. So it's different than a radiologist. Um, but the doctor group that we have there, they tend to be either emergency medicine, internist, um, general, you know, medical doctor, some of them are radiologists. And I always I kind of tease them. I joke with patients about radiologists because I'm like, you know, it's funny. Most people think that they want to have a radiologist read their thermography scan, but they tend to be a little cut and dry. And, uh, you know, uh, some of our like internist doctors are a little bit more, um, descriptive and in their reports. And so it's just, I I like to tease the radiologists a little bit, but. (laughs) Um, And does thermography happen all over the world or just in the U S it is more global. I know there's plenty of countries that are not using it. Unfortunately, I I know there's room for growth globally, um, but there's definitely countries that are utilizing it regularly, Switzerland, Germany, and, um, a lot of European countries seem to be more, um, you know, including that that service regularly. Mm-hmm. And we have you in the in Houston area. Uh, do most large cities have a thermographer? I would say yes. You know, in my experience, most major cities, you know, have thermography services available. Um, we do go out to West Texas because there's not really many options. Um, so, you know, if you get, if you go to a, a smaller city or if that's where you, you kind of live close by, it can be difficult to find a location near you. And um, we do have a website that we send people, you know, some of our patients move away. And so we do have a directory where we can recommend other clinics and, you know, we can't promise it'll be as good quality as our office, but you know, that's the best, best second option we, we yeah. have. Very good. 
Um, so let's talk a little more about uh, what are the advantages? What's the purpose of using thermography? Is there anything more there that we might say about that? Yeah, you know, that's probably one of the most common questions is, you know, what can thermography show? What's the purpose of doing the thermography scan? And I would say, you know, we have a whole list on our website if someone needs to refer back to this because it's kind of a long list. But anything that's going to be a potential infection, inflammation, nerve issues, blood flow, circulation problems. Um, sometimes we see thyroid dysfunction or cardiac dysfunction, lung dysfunction, um, you know, pancreas, colon inflammation. There's just, we're really looking for any early signs of the body being um, either inflamed or dysfunctional. And and essentially the purpose is like a non-invasive head to toe, let's check your health, kind of like a report card and see, is there any area that we need to investigate further and kind of get a jump start on uh, any early stage of, of issues going on? So that's the, that's the goal. That's the purpose. Um, a lot of people find out about thermography, though in regards to breast screening specifically. So in my mind, the purpose of thermography is like head to toe. But for most people, they learn about thermography because it's often talked about when people are discussing the pros and cons of mammograms and when they're talking about maybe an alternative. Um, and so a lot of times thermography comes up in that discussion. And I would say probably still the majority, you know, it's close to half and half, but probably still the majority are breast scans at our office because it's so popular for breast screening. A lot of women have heard the concerns about radiation from mammograms. I know you mentioned that a little bit in the intro. And then also the early detection goal um, is a very big topic. And I know lately we've had more information coming out about the downsides of mammograms, kind of questioning if women are being over-treated or over-screened with mammograms, and then also the density discussion. And I don't know how much your listeners know about that, but when women have dense breasts, it makes the mammograms more difficult to read and the likelihood of missing breast cancer goes up. So women with dense breasts, which is about 40% of the population, it's a significant amount of women, they may have more false hope in their mammogram being clear every year, they might not realize that they might have more of a chance of it being missed. And so I'm pretty passionate about educating women on that and, and how that would be a very important purpose with thermography is filling the gap for women with dense breasts or younger women who it's too early to start doing mammograms for a similar reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the whole density thing is kind of a big topic, to be honest, because even with, you know, your average radiation exposure with a mammogram, that's concerning. But women who have dense breasts absorb more radiation. They've shown that. So up to seven times more radiation absorbed in women with dense breasts and women wow. with large breasts. Wow. So it's not the same radiation exposure from patient to patient. Isn't that interesting? It is very uh, and they get, is it true that they get something that's far more accurate than the mammogram? Well, 
With women who have dense breasts, and the way that you can find out, unfortunately, the only way to know if you have dense breasts is with mammogram. That's how they measure breast density. And the reason I think for that is that it directly affects the mammogram. So they can directly measure how dense you are. Um, With an ultrasound, it tends to navigate dense tissue more clearly than a mammogram. And so oftentimes women with dense breasts, they might not realize they have dense tissue, but they know, oh my gosh, every time I go in for a mammogram, they want me to come back and do an ultrasound. They probably have dense breast tissue because it makes it harder and they need to do an ultrasound. Um, So that's one of the reasons why we love having ultrasound available at our office. And it's a really great structural evaluation. So we can see the size of a lump. We can see if there's fluid in the lump that would just be like a benign cyst. So we can get more structural details. And then with the thermography, there's there's literally no impact on thermography um, detection rates when it comes to dense tissue. So we don't have any kind of um, difficulty with that, which is great. So I think thermography and ultrasounds are a fantastic option for women with dense breasts. So can the thermography um, diagnose the breast cancer? No. So any type of imaging tool, MRI, mammogram, ultrasound, thermography, None of them are going to be able to diagnose breast cancer. The only thing that would be 100% diagnostic would be a biopsy. But the goal in using these tools is to reduce the amount of times we're putting women through a biopsy. It's very stressful. Mm -hmm. It's painful. um, There's risks involved with it. And, you know, we would be way over treating um, with biopsies if we just did that alone. So what we do is we start with what, what I prefer, starting with non-invasive tools. Let's start with something that doesn't damage the breast tissue, doesn't cause a lot of radiation exposure, and see if there's any kind of additional information that we need to get um, to make sure that that person is, is being checked properly. And if we you know, see something concerning on the thermography scan, we can always follow up with ultrasound and then we can make a decision. Do we need to, you know, now it's both are showing suspicion. Maybe we need an MRI. Maybe we do need to go get a mammogram. Um, Unfortunately, I don't know if, I don't think women can even get a biopsy without a mammogram, you know, the way our health insurance works and our health system. It's all kind of a certain protocol that patients have to go by and, you know, that it just is what it is. But, um, you know, I think the more that people can know and be educated, then they can make an informed decision on what's best for their body. Yes. And which is what we're, what you're doing at at this moment. Yes. Yay. I love that. I love helping people have an informed decision. That's all, all I'm here for. And I'm not pro or against any type of imaging technology. I think it's just important for women and men to know the pros and cons of everything. And so they can really understand what is helping them the most in the situation. Mm-hmm. Very good. So uh, tell our listeners, how does it work? Uh, what happens when we come into your office to get a, uh, a thermography of either the breast or the whole body? Yeah. Um, yeah. So bef- when you come in, um, ahead of time, hopefully, you know, you have your paperwork done or you can do it at our office. So we get an extensive health history for the doctor. Um, We want to know, you know, all of your symptoms and everything really well so we can relay that to the doctor and any prior um, 
thermograms that you have or other breast imaging or other types of tests, you know, we want to make sure we're getting the most information out of this appointment as possible for you. And then, um, so when you get to our office, we will take you back to the imaging room. And a lot of people are expecting kind of that MRI tunnel. (laughs) And thankfully, you know, for people who have claustrophobia um, or anxiety with that, that's not like that type of procedure at all. It's very comfortable. Um, It's an open room and the equipment is somewhat small. It's a, it's a basically like a, a little box camera on a tripod and we have the patient get changed in a, into a hospital gown. And if we're doing just the, the breast imaging, we'll just, you know, disrobe the chest. If we're doing head to toe, then we do disrobe um, the rest as well. But we try to be as discreet as possible. We turn off the lights and we're, we're very, um, we've had so many patients remark on how comfortable they felt during the process and how at ease um, the staff makes them feel. So I feel like we do a really good job with that. Um, And then basically we're taking images. So the camera never touches you or anything. Um, It's going to be a dark room and we're taking little snapshots. To me, it's very similar to an x-ray. You know, you're kind of going in different positions and you're holding still and they're just taking snapshots. It's very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Except you're not on a table or anything. You're yeah, you're upright. No uh-huh. So yeah, yes. and no, no radiation. Good point. Right. <laughs> Glad we thought of that. Okay. Um, so after you take all these pictures, um, mm-hmm. then you get dressed and you go out, and then you yep. wait. Uh, then the doctor reads it in yes. the next week or so. Yes. Yeah. So we don't have the doctors on site. So mm-hmm. what we do is we compile the images and health history and send that through our um, secure database to the doctors, the doctor group. And one of the doctors is assigned to your report. And so they do the interpretation. We typically get a turnaround time of about a week, week and a half. And we do have the option of doing an urgent or stat so we can get it back within 24 hours if you have something you're really Mm -hmm. worried about. Um, So once we get the results back from the doctor, what we like to do is either we can send the results straight to the patient. And then if they want a copy sent to the doctor, well, their doctor will go ahead and send a copy to their doctor as well. But what we really encourage patients to do is to let us know when they're ready for a report review. And that's included with the cost of their scan. Um, and essentially that's a time where the patient and I can go through their report together and make sure they understand the language because it's a little bit of a medical language in the report. And I want to make sure that they fully understand what it means. And a lot of times people, especially with the full body, uh, they might miss little details in there that's talking about something that could be very helpful for their health. And then in addition to that, as a functional practitioner, I love to add, you know, um, that kind of layer of information into their report, talking to them about how, hey, you know what, your gut is showing some inflammation. And your immune, your immune system is showing up as a little imbalanced. Did you know that 80% of your immune system is, you know, in your gut? And, and so we, you know, kind of try to add that educational component to the thermography service and um, kind of giving them more in, information about that and what are some, you know, proactive steps they can take or additional testing they can do. So let's say their thyroid comes up on their scan I can tell them about different types of thyroid testing that would be more thorough than just the TSH, right? That's typically what 
people get at the doctor. So um, anyway, I think that report review adds a lot of value to yes. that um, appointment. And then they can take that information and advocate for themselves with their doctor. Or if, if they don't have a doctor, we can run labs for them. So um, I think it's just been a really, really wonderful way for people to be more proactive with their health and, and take the reins in a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. Those Mm -hmm. helpful directions and the, and the educational pieces of information. Um, So what happens if something does show up in a thermal scan? Yeah. So some people, I, I feel like a lot of people are used to something coming up on a test result and going into like emergency mode or panic mode. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people get their thermography results and they're like, Oh my gosh, there's red everywhere. There's orange everywhere. And so most conversations I have with people is explaining, yeah, there's some areas of the body that are naturally warmer. There's nothing to be worried about, but this area that's orange, that's not normal. So let's talk about that. You know, what kind of symptoms are you having and what, you know, for instance, um, like, let's just talk about the breast area, for instance, if something came up there, um, it could be something as minor as lymphatic congestion that's causing that tenderness on that side of the breast that the patient was so worried about having breast cancer. And we, we take a look and we see lymphatic congestion. And that's happened a few times where um, this exact issue comes up. And we talk about different ways they can work on their lymphatic congestion, simple things, hydration, um, lymphatic massage, um, sauna or rebounding. There's so many different ways, dry skin brushing. And I tell you what, you know, they come back in a few months or the next year and they've been working on their lymph and I'm like, how is everything? And they're like, all my symptoms are gone. You know, I'm so (laughs) worried about breast cancer and I just had lymph congestion. So, um, it really depends on what we're talking about when we say something comes up on there, what do I do with that information? But it really depends on, on what we're talking about. If it's something minor, I feel like we can really implement some simple things to, to address that. If it's something more serious, I will tell the patient, you know, this pretty extensive. Let's say their entire colon comes up inflamed. I'm like, this isn't normal. You know, you really need to, to get a GI evaluation, colonoscopy, um, consider a stool test, comprehensive stool test. If that colonoscopy comes back squeaky clean, this isn't normal and there's something off. So um, sometimes a comprehensive stool test is going to give us more information about what's going on in the microbiome and the digestion and Food sensitivities sometimes aren't really thought about by people. So there can be different things. And again, that's why that report review uh, discussion is where I kind of, it's custom to each person. So um, yeah, that's, it's it's definitely, you know, unique to the person and what came up. Sounds so valuable. Uh, So um, how often should breast thermography be done? So, yeah, um, I would say most people, if they're coming in for full body scans, they tend to do those once a year or they might alternate. They might do a full body every other year and just do a breast screening on the opposite years or do an upper body or something like that. But once you once you establish your breast baseline, which I'll talk about in a second, um, it's just recommended annually. Now, if something comes up 
where the doctor sees a change in your thermal pattern on the breast area, then they might recommend a closer follow-up like in three to six months just to, to check on it and make sure things are okay. But if everything's stable and normal, they go out once a year. Um, back to kind of my comment about breast baseline. One thing I didn't mention that's really unique with thermography, and I still don't understand why this is the case, but um, it's funny, the full body scan is done essentially one time and, and you know what's normal, what's not normal. For the breast region, women have a unique vascular pattern. It's like a thumbprint. It's unique to each patient. And so when a woman comes in for a scan that includes the breast region, the doctors always recommend a follow-up breast scan in three months. And the reason is that because of that unique vascular pattern for that patient, we want to know when she came in the first time, is that pattern, you know, what her stable, that's her normal from her whole life, or is one of these veins a newcomer? And so we check in three months to see, are all the veins kind of stable and consistent? If one of them is changing, like expanding, getting hotter and larger, then we know, okay, that one's not stable. There's something happening there. And this kind of goes back to how thermography can has the potential to catch things earlier than a mammogram because, because of us looking at the very subtle temperature changes, blood flow is quite warm. And what we're looking for is changes in those blood vessel patterns. Um, that comes back to breast cancer and angiogenesis. So angiogenesis is the process of new blood vessel growth and tumors cannot grow past one to two millimeters before they need an increase in blood flow. So that's what we're hoping to catch is that early blood flow change in order for a mass to grow past that one to two millimeter size. And when you're talking about the billion cells and, you know, how long it takes to be a certain size, you know, the mammogram, the average size is like 1.1 to 1.4 centimeters. So that's 11 to 14 times the size of when that blood vessel change can happen. Right. So potential. Now I'm not saying that happens in every case, but that's the potential that thermography has to catch it so much earlier. And that's the hope. And that doesn't always happen. I've been doing this for 14 years and, and no tool is a hundred percent. There's always a percentage where, you know, that type of cancer doesn't behave the same as others. Um, and so it, there are certain situations where we might miss something. And that's why I always encourage women, regardless of the imaging tool you're using, pay attention to how you feel, pay attention to your symptoms, do yourself breast exams. Cause that's still more a detection for breast self exams than mammograms, you know? Um, so I think there's power in women's own intuition about their body. And I think they should always listen to that. Um, but you know, thermography is a wonderful option and definitely has a high detection rate comparable with mammograms. And then when you consider the density issue, definitely, um, shines there as well. So we have, we do have clinical research on our website in case people are wanting more details on that. Very good. That's amazing. Isn't it? What, <laughs> what, what, what we have to, right. 
educate ourselves about our bodies. It's really amazing. Well, when would thermography not be recommended? I love this question because I, I think there's a lot of really amazing, passionate thermography advocates out there. And, you know, they'll they'll sometimes make some inappropriate claims like, you know, they thermography can spot cancer cells anywhere in the body and, you know, things like that are just not true. Um, so I think it's important to always talk about what it shows and what it doesn't show. So one area is if you have anything going on in the brain, we can't see past these skull. We can't see through bone. So anything with bones um, now, Granted, we do see arthritis or osteoarthritis type of patterns, um, you know, things like herniated discs. We might see some things that relate to bones, but not inside or the marrow or, you know, um, so we don't see density. So bone density, brain um, issues. Um, let me see what else would we any kind of structural. So let's say if you have a lump and you want to know what's the size, like I want to measure it. Mm-hmm we would need to use the ultrasound to measure a lump. So uh, one of the benefits with our office, you know, if you aren't sure what type of testing or type of imaging you need to have done, you can always call us and we will tell you, we want to help you get the most appropriate care. So if you call and say, oh my gosh, I'm having migraines, you know, we'll tell you all the different things that you could consider and that, you know, thermography will help with seeing if there's sinus issues related to that or neck issues related to that. But if you need to check your brain for a tumor, you're going to need an MRI. Um, so I think just kind of having us as a resource as far as knowing what, what, where to go next to get your health situation figured out, we're more than happy to tell you when we can help you and when we can't, you know, we're very honest about that. Mm-hmm. Very good. So are there any other types of scans that you offer and what are the benefits of the different types? Um, So yes, we do the full body, we do the upper body, we do the breast scan and then, and the upper body essentially covers everything but the legs. So I think the upper body is a really good bang for your buck type of option. Um, And then with the ultrasounds, we do carotid thyroid breast abdominal, pelvic, um, and we do venous, you know, if you've got some veins you need to have checked, or if you just have like a, a lump, a mystery lump, then you're like, I don't know what this is. We also do testicular. Um, so those are the options for ultrasound. And then for like functional lab testing, we do blood work, hormone testing, gut testing, food sensitivities, um, mineral panels, like micronutrients, Um, We can check heavy metals, things like that. So we really have kind of a wide array of, of testing that we have available now. And, you know, we really want to help each person get the exactly type of evaluation that they need um, for their situation. Sounds very comprehensive. (laughs) Thank you. We've, we've been, we've been working on it. Yeah, yes, we started out with thermography, and we've we've come a long expanded way. Expanded so. a long way. Yes, yeah. it's wonderful. Uh, what about uh, insurance coverage? So insurance, unfortunately, doesn't cover. Um, if you have a doctor's order for the ultrasound, you could submit that to insurance, like an out of network, because um, we are out of network. So, but you might have it applied towards your 
deductible. And then we've had a good amount of people use it for with their health share companies successfully. Um, we also have, we can accept like HSA and FSA cards, but traditional insurance, Medicare, um, unfortunately are not covering it. And then we also know about a breast cancer foundation that helps cover for women who need financial support for the breast scan. So we, we have different resources we can share to help people um, get like a payment plan or different options to make it accessible. Very good. How come my doctor doesn't tell me about this? Oh my goodness. Such a, such a fun question. I mean, you know, I hate to, I don't want to ever come across as, as being negative about doctors, but I think we all know there are some doctors who are a little bit more, you know, in their box, they're stuck in their, in their box, right. Of medication and surgery and, and kind of the pharma world. And there are some doctors that have been more open-minded and they've been more curious. And I wish more doctors were curious and still wanted to learn past medical school, you know, um, there are some wonderful doctors who refer to us for thermography, refer to us for ultrasounds. Um, I just had a patient in yesterday who she was at MD Anderson and the radiologist couldn't find anything wrong with her on her mammogram or ultrasound. And the radiologist told her, you should have a heat scan. Wow. And she goes, do you mean thermography? And she goes, yeah, a lot of people don't know what I'm saying when I say thermography. So I just call it a heat scan so people can know. But um, so I know there are doctors who know about it. But if your doctor doesn't, um, it might be that they are, you know, trying to stick with the golden standard. It's what they call mammograms, for instance. Um, they might just feel more comfortable sticking with the status quo because then they're less liable for, right. you know, encouraging their patient to go outside of the box. Right. That's a big factor with doctors. And then another factor is they might just not know. Um, unfortunately, like if you go to radiology.org and you search thermography, they're quoting research from the seventies on there. I don't, you know, I don't think these big organizations have any interest in, promoting thermography or promoting something outside of, you know, their insurance bubble. So um, it's unfortunate, but I think that if more patients are able to bring clinical research and we have it on our website, uh, but you can bring that clinical research to your doctor. And a lot of doctors are surprised when they see that they, they didn't realize like, Oh, this has been validated. It, you know, so I think it raises questions for doctors, even like, why isn't this used more? But um, yeah, those are the two most common reasons, I think, is a lack of knowledge about it. And then, you know, a concern about liability. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I'm struggling not to say anything about the pro, pro, for-profit medical <laughs> industry. So. You're biting your tongue over there, Pat. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so how can listeners hear more and find out more about thermography and how can they find you? So we are on a Facebook and Instagram. Our website is really kind of the hub of information. And that would just be thermographyofhouston.com. And, um, you know, we are we're more than happy to answer any questions or, or give you more information if you call us. And then our Instagram is, is just, you know, Instagram slash 
Thermography of Houston, same thing with Facebook. So we're pretty consistent with that. It's easy to find. Um, but, you know, I would just say that if you can't, if you want to be proactive with your health and you want to um, deal with things before they spiral into like the point of needing medication or surgery, that I would really encourage you to consider doing some, you know, additional types of testing, because unfortunately, this is the most common thing. When someone doesn't feel right, they go to the doctor and they, you know, have maybe some blood work done and the doctor says everything's normal. Um, and that's so common, but the way that our doctors are looking at blood work is very, it's that lab range. It's kind of broad and it has to be outside of that lab range for the doctor to really feel like they can step in with medication or surgery. And that's a good thing in a way, because we don't really want everyone to be on medication all the time, but at the same time, their toolbox is kind of small. They're, they're not utilizing nutrition supplements, diet changes, exercise, um, stress reduction, sleep, you know, all of these things we can optimize to be more preventive. So the, the lab range that I look at, some of the additional markers that I look at with blood work, different ways of assessing, I think that people don't realize um, if you don't feel right, I think there's something deeper going on is, is my message here. And to, to try to advocate for yourself or look into some of these other options to get more answers. Very good. Good advice. Well, um, what are some difficult cases that you've seen that would be interesting to us? Yeah. Um, some interesting cases we've had along the way, we had, um, one male patient who this, this one in particular, um, the doctor who referred her patient to us, I work with her closely and she is a functional doctor. So she kind of understands all the different, um, complexities in, in disease. And anyway, this patient had been struggling for years with this mystery fever, flu kind of symptoms that would just hit him out of nowhere. And um, they did all types of testing. I mean, she's a functional doctor, so she's extremely thorough, more than the average doctor. And she was really struggling to find anything wrong. And so he came in for a thermography scan, head to toe, full body, and um, such a sweet man. But um, he his entire scan was pretty normal. I mean, I was like, wow, you're really healthy overall, but your dental region has a lot of inflammation, a lot. And so I was like, this is really the only area that is, you know, showing a problem. So he ended up going to a specialized um, dentist. That's more of like a biological dentist and they can do um, a CBCT, which is like a 3D exam. And then they also ended up doing some, I, I don't know if it's a blood test or a sample, but they test the bacterial levels in like root canals and different areas of the mouth. And um, so he had, I don't know how many root canals, but there were some that were infected and they were like off the chart. Wow. Uh, with really, really inflammatory bacteria and the blood vessels in the mouth connect to your entire body systemically. Um, they've been shown to increase different issues like 
neuroinflammation, heart disease risk, Alzheimer's is associated with periodontal disease. Um, There's so many conditions that can be majorly affected by our dental health. So anyway, long story short, he had those areas treated. And I mean, his mystery illness has not returned since. Wow. So that doctor was talking to me about it and she was like, this should be published in a journal as an interesting case study because like I would not have been able to pinpoint where this is coming from. And that tends to be really helpful too in cases where patients have, um, sometimes you'll go in for routine blood work and you might have your inflammation marker really high. And unfortunately it's not specific. It's just, it just tells you you have inflammation, but the doctor can't tell you where. So we have had a few patients that come in with high CRP levels, which is an inflammatory marker, and we're able to identify where where is that inflammation showing up for that patient. So that's been very helpful. Yes. Um, we've had people come in where they had um, breast cancer in the past. Um, I had one lady come in and she had a, a lumpectomy several years ago. And she came in, she's been coming for years And every time it was totally normal. And then one year it was a little hot in that spot where she had the surgery. Well, she happened to have a bug bite in the same area, which is like, why, why are these coincidental things happening? But anyway, that, that she kind of thought it's just a bug bite. Well, she came back again, I think maybe six months, like a short-term follow-up just to see how's how it's looking. And it was way more inflamed the second time we looked wow. and I'm like, there is something off. We have to, we have to test, you know? Yes. And, um, sure enough, she had breast cancer recur right there where it was wow. removed before, which is kind wow. of odd. But, yes. um, so, you know, that was a really good, yes. um, case that, you know, we yes. were able to catch that. Her We've life was saved. Yes. yes. Um, she's such a sweet lady. We've had some ladies come in in their thirties and we catch breast cancer. Wow. And it's like, you know, these women aren't going for mammograms at that age. They don't right. start until 40 at the soonest typically. And these women were 34, 36, and one had inflammatory breast cancer, which is a type of cancer that doesn't form a lump. So it can, it's very often misdiagnosed as like a breast infection. And um, so she, I, unfortunately, I think she passed because inflammatory breast cancer is very aggressive. Um, but the other one that was, I think, 34 at the time, she came in and right off the bat, you could just tell immediately there was major vascular blood flow in a pattern that's more suspicious for breast cancer and hers was triple negative, which is again, a kind of a more aggressive, difficult type to treat. Um, And so I do think that even though it's less likely to have breast cancer in your thirties, I still, you know, just because of those situations, experiences. Yeah. And also knowing that thermography doesn't cause any harm. There's no downside to having it done. So I'm like, man, why I wish more 30 year olds and like late 20 year olds would come in because, because we have the ability to maybe catch it in earlier stages. um, Then we should be seeing those changes in younger women. So why not be more proactive than, yeah, exactly. And, and getting it, getting it taken care of sooner. So 
Those are and, those are a few. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Any others that might we have a few minutes left? Any yeah, other difficult yeah. cases that? Yeah. Um. Gosh, there's just so many that come to mind, and I'm having a hard time choosing. But one, mm -hmm. one lady came in. She, um, you know, very healthy, uh, works out, feels great. She had just like a tiny bit of bloating um, when she came in. She's like, it's annoying, but it's not a big deal. And we ended up doing like an upper body thermography scan. And I'm like, goodness, girl, you've got inflammation, just solid red inflammation mm -hmm. from right under the breast to like your belly button. It was just like so wow. inflamed in her upper GI. And so she was like, you know what? I, I want to dig deeper. I want to know what's going on. And um, we did a comprehensive stool test and she had H. pylori and uh, yeast overgrowth and bacterial overgrowth. And she had a major reaction to gluten that came up. Um, and so we did like a three month protocol of like different herbs and things that can help kind of rebalance the bacteria and yeast. And then um, of course I had her cut out gluten completely and so just seeing her follow-up scan and the inflammation can, you know, significantly reduce. And she's like, you know what? I thought I just had bloating, but now that I did all these changes, my bloating's gone, but also my energy is up and I'm sleeping better and I'm less anxious and less irritable. And so I think it's really, to me, really um, fascinating to see how we can work on one area of our health. And then it can have this synergistic positive impact on the rest of our health. And, you know, if you yes. think about not to hate too much on Western medicine, but usually we're used to the opposite where you take right. a medication for one problem and you get five other symptoms <laughs> along with it. And what I love about, you know, that's why I'm so passionate about using natural methods. If we can find something that works naturally, usually there are a lot of positive symptoms or side effects that come with it. Yes. So um, anyway, that's just, it's been really delightful to help people be more informed. Like maybe you just have a little bloating, but that's, that's the symptom. There might be a lot more to it than that. And, um, and I don't say that to, to be fear mongering whatsoever, but it's just, just kind of making truth. people yes. think beyond their symptoms. Cause I can't tell you how many times I see gut inflammation on a scan. And then the person's like, I don't have any gut symptoms. And I say, do you know, 80% of celiac patients don't have any gut symptoms either. And they've got major GI issues, but it shows up as, you know, brain fog or osteoporosis or anxiety or joint pain. So um, just kind of opening people's eyes to think beyond just like treating symptoms, which is what we're so used to. I yes. mean, um, really like addressing your health as a whole, you know, you're a whole person. It's not separate pieces. Yes. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a, a mindset shift that we need to have in, in, in our country and our, our healthcare system. But yes. yes, this is so helpful and so informative and inspiring that there's, there's hope. It doesn't have to look like uh, a surgery. It doesn't have to look like a hospitalization uh, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. there are other options that mm -hmm. we might try before we get to that, those places. Right. Right. Yes. But what we need is the information that's going on in our body uh, to know what we need to do, whatever it is. 
Right. There's and, so much information online about do this for your health and, and do intermittent fasting or take this supplement. And all of those things are great, but I don't know that that person needs them. And so, you know, we can drive ourselves crazy trying to do all of the fads and diets and all the supplements. And it's like, do what we don't know what we need unless we get properly evaluated. Right. So, you know, some people are really trying to be healthy and, and feel like they're doing everything and they still don't feel right. Well, we need to get some proper assessment done so we can get yes. you targeted support, you know, yes. instead of just throwing darts blindly. So, um, yeah, it really, really helps if they can yeah. do that. It seems like this, uh, what we need are the, we need pictures of what's going on inside of our body to tell us what direction to take. Yes. And, and that's what you can do for us. Yes. That's, I love doing that. Um, it's a passion of mine. I'm happy to help people with that. And, um, it's been really great to see more and more doctors learning about it and, um, you know, seeing the value of it and referring their patients. And cause I think that's important too, for so many people go to their doctor for, for direction. And so, you know, hopefully I think it's, it's a joint effort. If patients can yes. start to share research on thermography, um, then I think more doctors will start to realize, you know, what's going on. Yes. And I'm so pleased about the new services that you're offering. They're not new, but additional services, uh, which makes it so much, uh, the picture so much more complete. Right. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, uh, we're just about out. Tell the audience again, how can they find you? Yes. So our website, www.thermographyofhouston.com. And our phone number is 281 803-5880. Very good. Thank you, Rebecca, for what you're doing. To Thank you, Pat. It's really changing the world for people. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to contact us, and we're always pleased to hear from you, our address is wholemothershow at gmail.com. If you want to hear this show again or refer someone to this show, you can listen to this show and years of other shows on wholemothershow.com. Thank you to our engineers. Thank you to EJ, to Edward, to Eric for all your support. Thank you out there for listening to Whole Mother. I'm Pat Jones, and this is KPFT Houston. Wake up with
Where you find 